T-Wolves drop a tough one tonight versus the Thunder. They watch their lead in the West drop to one game. I got Wolves expert Jack Borman. He's going to help us break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Locked On Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab. Back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman. He's on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And before we get into all the action, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. $150 when you bet just five. Check it all out. Visit FanDuel.com slash NBA. All right, man. Game of the week right here. Top two teams in the West going toe-to-toe. Wolves with the two-game lead heading in. And I mean, this one kind of lived up to the expectations for sure. Wolves got off to that slow start, but it, it came down to the wire at the end. They fall short, 102-97, dropped to 29-12. Uh, and 12. Watch that lead start to shrink in the West now, just one game. Um, plenty of individual performances I'd love to pick your brain about, but first, let's just start where we always do. There's plenty of directions we can kick things off with, by the way. I mean, Wolves bench kept them in this one. The turnovers was a, a major shot in the foot all night. And and sometimes you just step back, you throw your hands up, and you just give credit where credit's due. OKC played pretty good tonight as well. But you tell me, give us your biggest takeaways and, and you know what a loss like that means to this Wolves team now with a, a one-game lead now in the West. Yeah, I really don't think it's a game where you shake OKC's hand and, and tell him, you know, good job. Felt for, like you should have won that, that game. Right? Yeah. yeah, and this this game was not a game that Oklahoma City, I, I think, really won. I think it was just a game that the Timberwolves completely gave away. Um, you know, we saw this a ton last season uh, and two seasons ago, frankly. Uh, the Timberwolves last season were a terrible team uh, in the fourth quarter, um, and they've been largely a very good team uh, in the fourth quarter and really the whole second half, um, you know, all season. But uh, again. Turnovers was a huge issue in the first half. Um, they gave up 20 points off turnovers, I believe, uh, in the first half, which was pretty ridiculous. Uh, and then in the third quarter, only one turnover did not allow any points off of it. And then in, in the fourth quarter, you give up seven turnovers. You had more than which result in eight Oklahoma City points. You had more than twice as many turnovers, seven, as you did made field goals, three. Um mm. The Timberwolves just completely, uh, you know, crapped the bed uh, in this one, I, I think, frankly. I mean, Mike Conley, it was it was easily his worst game uh, as a Timberwolf. Um, you know, I, you know, obviously, when you, when you look and you see he's one of nine from three and all of those three-pointers, with the exception of maybe the last one, um, were, were pretty wide open. And he missed, he missed a few pretty crucial shots. But even for Mike, um, you know, you want to look at, at how many turnovers Mike Conley had in this game. He had, he had three turnovers. Um, mm. and, and for someone like him, like that, that's just too many. Uh, especially when you consider the fact that you can pretty much chalk Ant up for four or five at this point. You can chalk Carl up for two or three. You can chalk Rudy up for two or three. And, and Jaden, if, if his offense is scaled up, he's going he's gonna to commit two or three. Um, the Timberwolves starting five tonight, more turnovers than assists. Uh, I believe they had 15 turnovers and 13 assists. 
Um, so absolutely not what you want to see. Um, and, and frankly, I, I just thought Chris Finch got really outcoached um, down, mm. down the stretch of that game. Um, you know, the way that, you know, he, he kind of saved all of his timeouts um, and, until the end, which I get. But when the game is totally slipping away, you know, I understand when you're sitting there watching your guys when they're, you know, they're, they're trying to put away, uh, you know, a super injury depleted team, um, you know, like we saw in the last game and, and the Wolves were able to, you know, just kind of step on the you know, Grizzlies throats a little bit and, and just pull away. But um, in this one, he, he just kind of sat on the sidelines and watched. Uh, he didn't get Nikhil Alexander Walker back in the game um, down the stretch of that game, which I thought he should have. He didn't play Nas Reed very much in the fourth quarter which I absolutely thought he should have. Nas Reed was a plus 19 uh, in this game. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns was a minus 19 in this game. Um, so I, I think when you marry, uh, you know, just really bad turnovers from pretty much everybody that was in the game uh, in the fourth quarter with, uh, you know, just, just poor, uh, you know, rotation management decisions, um, which Chris Finch normally nails. Like when guys off the bench, whether it be Nas or Troy Brown or, um, or Kyle Anderson, like he'll generally leave one of those guys in if they're playing really well to, to finish the game. And that just didn't happen. And, um, and Anthony Edwards too, has to, has to wear this one, only 10 mm -hmm. field goal attempts. Like I do not care how good of defense they are playing on you. You have to find a way, um, to get up more than 10 free throw or excuse me, 10 field goal attempts. Um, you know, credit to him for trying to make that last play and, and made something out of it. Um, but again, missing both your free throws, um, uh, just, just absolutely brutal. Um, and, and, you know, totally just a game that, that you gave away. I mean, you want to look at, you can go in any direction you want. You look at anything pretty much on, um, you know, in that box score would tell you um, that, that the Timberwolves probably would have probably would have won this game, but, but the turnovers were, um, you know, you know, pretty much the entire story. Um, you know, the, the officiating was also God awful all night. Um, I, I thought the the thunder, probably got an extra 12 to 15 points um, of an advantage from, from what we saw from the officiating tonight. But again, it's, it's tough for that to really determine the final score when you turn the ball over 28 or 21 times for, for Oklahoma city uh, scoring 28 points. So um, just a horrible loss, uh, worst loss of the season, in my opinion. Um, and, and certainly one that uh, I, I think Timberwolves fans should keep at the forefront of their mind is the Timberwolves, um, you know, kind of approach uh, the playoffs here, because if the Timberwolves aren't going to be able to figure out um, their crunch time offense, specifically with Anthony Edwards, just, you know, totally, you know, taking control of the wheel and, and not doing much with it. Um, they, they, there's no way that they are going to win a first round playoff series. No way. Not with, not with some of the offensive talent that, that even is, you know, towards the bottom of the, you know, of the playoff ladder in the Western conference. You know, we're over the halfway mark now in the season. I think we've came on this postcast and talked about the refs maybe once, maybe twice at most, but definitely tonight you could definitely spend 5, 10, 15 minutes even on how tough some of those calls were tonight. So plenty of people already venting in the comment section about how bad the refs were. Tough one to swallow for sure. Uh, I want to say it was like 30 to 14 in the first quarter. And from that point on, I mean, Wolves, they did flip a switch there, got things cooking. And like it always does, it started with Nasri coming off the bench, going Mr. Automatic, almost robotic at this point with that first three-pointer. Wolves bench... I mean, you touched on it was really the thing that got him back into this one. They outscored OKC's bench by a mile. Nas Reed, 18 points, four blocks, 
Should have been five blocks, by the way. Jordan yep. McLaughlin coming in and adding a serious spark when they were down big and, and really needed it. I guess talk to me about the bench and how impressed you were because this feels like the one and only major positive tonight. And also, I guess my follow-up too, how much has J-Mac been able to change the pace of this team when he's been out there? Because as of late, he's been a great little spark plug. They just didn't have when he was hurt. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing with Jordan McLaughlin is like the, there is a point where there is kind of a law of diminishing returns a little bit um, where, you know, we saw that two years ago where, you know, he really kind of started to outplay D'Angelo Russell for stretches and mm. Finch kind of gave him the keys and tried to, you know, play him more maybe than he had all year. And that's when things kind of started to fall apart, especially down the stretch of the season. But this season, you know, what he's been able to do in the role that he has has been you know, damn close to an A plus um, for for a, a guy playing his role. And I think Chris Finch has done an excellent job of kind of picking his spots of when to go to Jordan McLaughlin. Uh, I don't think he went to Jordan McLaughlin uh, like in the rotation soon enough after he returned. Um, but, you know, I, I, do, I do really think that he's impacted the game in a great way. I think the way that, um, you know, he gets the ball moving from side to side, which I think is is the most important thing in the Timberwolves offense. I mean, the Timberwolves are, are 17 and 0 when they have at least 27 uh, assists. I want to say they're now 11 and 12 or something like that when they um, are uh, 11 and 11 or something like that when they don't. Um, they had 22 tonight. So, um, you know, that that stays true again. But but with Jordan McLaughlin, the way he's able to kind of get two feet in the paint and kick the ball out and force the defense to collapse and, and get the ball swinging from side to side. And, and he's a great cutter too. He moves without the basketball does a great job of, of kind of knowing, you know, how to give guys an outlet, uh, whether it's on the drive or if they get trapped or guys in the post or things like that. Um, and and he, he does all the things, you know, you want to see from a point guard uh, besides scoring really, you know, he's not really a score first guy. Um, but tonight, I mean, he had eight points, knocked down a pair of threes, had three assists, zero turnovers, and also had two steals. Like, I think Jordan McLaughlin is a much more competitive defender, uh, than, than people give him credit for, um, especially on the ball, but off the ball too. Like he does a great job of, of kind of keeping one eye on his man and one eye on where the ball is at all times. And, and really has a, a keen sense of, of when to make a play. Um, and so that was, that was absolutely huge. I mean, they have eight points, three assists, and a steal in, in eight minutes and 35 seconds of play in the first half was awesome. And that Jordan McLaughlin, Nas Reed battery had had 15 points in the second quarter alone um, and, and were huge. Uh, and, then, and then just with Nas specifically, I mean, um, was was a really big part of that, that energy shifting in the in the second quarter, made back to back threes, um, found to kill Alexander Walker um, for another three, which was huge. Um, on back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back possessions to really kind of, you know, fully kind of grab hold of the game. Um, and, I, and I just think the way that he's able to take control of teams that don't really have a backup five, uh, I think is a real weapon. I think it is honestly mm -hmm. maybe the most consistent thing on this Timberwolves team, um, you know, besides Mike Conley not turning the ball over. Um, I, I think that he almost every single game, a team does not have a great backup five. He has a great game. Um, and then beyond those two, I, I think you got to give Nikhil Alexander-Walker and, and Kyle Anderson a lot of credit, too. I, I thought that the way that they competed um, on both ends of the ball was great. Uh, I, I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker um, defensively is a guy that just totally wears on you. Um, you know, it's just really hard to play offense against him for, for prolonged stretches. Um, and he does a great job of kind of forcing guys off schedule when they're trying to make a move. He, he kind of 
takes him out of it a little bit to throw off their timing. Um, you know, even if he's not getting a steal or a block or, or a rebound or things like that, it's those little types of plays that, um, you know, really don't show up in the box score. But but for this this bench unit um, tonight was was just excellent. Um, and, and for them to, to outscore Oklahoma City 34 to 15, um, you know, again, was a, a huge reason why uh, the Timberwolves, you know, got back in front by what mm-hmm. was it, 12 or whatever it was. Um, yeah, and really exposed, I think, the biggest flaw of the Thunder, which is that uh, their, their bench is pretty bad, um, and, and they don't have a whole lot of scoring options um, off the bench, and, and we'll see if they, if they decide to address that before the, uh, before the trade deadline. Everyone in the chat venting about the two things, the refs and turnovers, and, and you can't blame them. 44 turnovers coming into tonight in the two games versus OKC. Add on another 21, like you mentioned, makes it 65 in three games. Add 28 points off those turnovers tonight alone. Dude, they just can't get out of their own way sometimes. And I I, I, I sometimes just sit back and I got to wonder, halfway through the season now, if this just isn't who this team is and it's, it's just going to follow them around all season long, or if there's still some reason for some hope and optimism when it comes to maybe cleaning some of those things up. And by the way, you tell me OKC is 28 points up turnovers tonight. I tell you their chances of winning go down from 50-50 game coin flip to like 90-10 at best. So I, I guess talk to us about the turnovers a little bit more in depth, broader picture, and what maybe, again, they need to do heading into the playoffs or how detrimental that could be, where we go from here, I guess. But how they were even able to stay in this one until the final possession or two. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, people think that getting another backup point guard behind Mike Conley is kind of an antidote to the turnover Mm -hmm. problems, but I I really don't agree with that at all. Um, because Jordan McLaughlin is perennially, perennially, Oh my goodness, perennially been one of the best assisted turnover ratio guys in the entire league. Right. And, you know, he does a great job, I think of, getting the ball moving, which reduces the amount of turnovers that the team is having and increases the amount of assists that, that they have when he's on the floor. And um, for me, it, it honestly is Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed too, looking themselves in the mirror and, and looking within themselves and asking themselves, how can I turn the ball over less? All of those guys have been culprits all season long when it comes to the turnovers. Um, and, and a lot of it comes from, you know, all those guys trying to do too much in isolation off the dribble. And, and when you face a team like, uh, you know, like Oklahoma City that, that has a really tight shell defense and does a really good job of, of kind of packing the paint and rotating. Um, and, and they also do an excellent job of contesting shots, uh, especially on the perimeter. Um, you know, you just are going to have to move the ball more to work to make the defense work. And, you can't drive into crowds and all of those guys have a tendency to drive into crowds. And it's been a problem for the Timberwolves the whole entire season. It's been a problem for Carl Anthony Towns, his entire career. It's been a problem for Anthony Edwards, his entire career. We know that Rudy Gobert can't really do anything with the basketball uh, when he puts it on the, when he puts it on the, on the deck. Um, Now that's been a thing his entire career. So I, I don't really think that there are, there are, there's a solution to the problem other than somehow getting through to them that if you're Rudy Gobert, never, ever, ever put the ball on the ground. Uh, if there's like a defender within five feet of you. And if you're Carl Anthony Towns and or Jane McDaniels or Nas Reed, stop driving into crowds because none of those guys are good enough playmakers off the dribble um, 
to consistently drive into a crowd, you know, collapse the entire defense and, and make a make a, a pass that results either in a assist or a pass that becomes an assist, like a hockey assist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's the biggest thing for me. I don't think it's personnel related. I just think it's guys having to figure out um, how to stop doing the one thing that is causing this team to turn the yeah. ball over and over and over and over again. No, that makes sense. That 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 was a good breakdown for sure. And we'll see again how things trend closer to not only just the all-star break, but the closer we get to uh March and, and April. Yeah, go ahead. And I was just gonna add one other thing. Like, you know, I, I think Chris Finch has to call more plays as well. Um, you yeah. know, he talks about all the time how he wants to be more free-flowing and stuff like that, but they didn't run anything in that fourth quarter really outside of after timeout plays. And um and when the ball is being turned over like that and it's isolation and it's guys driving the lane and, and, you know, like Ant had a couple of just horrible turnovers in the fourth quarter where he tried to kick it out to Rudy Gobert. He tried to uh, kick another one out to the, to the left corner uh, when he had a, a floater right there, a wide open floater and tried to pass it. And instead got, it's just like things like that too, where I, you know, I, I think you, when you realize that you just, as a coach, you've got to just, get more involved in the game. And, and I, I love and respect that Chris Finch wants his guys to figure out empowers his guys to figure out, but at some point, especially for as, as good of a ta- like tactically good of an offensive coach as Chris Finch is when he does call plays, just got to get more involved sometimes. Plenty more deep dive from this one, including Jaden McDaniels, maybe turning a little corner offensively and it's coming up next. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or about your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? Try ditching all the New Year's resolutions and start expanding on what you already do right. Maybe that's organizing the closet or the garage. I know that's something that I'm terrible about. Well, therapy can help you find your best strengths and maximize your own specific skill set so you can finally ditch the extreme resolutions instead therapy can help you make changes that really stick over the long term once and for all if you've been thinking about starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online it's designed to be convenient flexible and suited for your time frame and it's so easy all you got to do fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. It's time to start celebrating the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. All right, let's pick back up here. Jane McDaniels, uh, as of late, it would seem he's maybe found a new gear, or at least some consistency, a little rhythm with the ball in his hands offensively. Again, trying to find some positives here tonight. Ten or more points in four straight games now. And you can just see it. When you sit down and watch the Wolves from start to finish on a night-to-night basis, the Wolves are looking for him more offensively and and maybe have found some new confidence, uh, I, I guess is the best way to put it, when it comes to him scoring some more points. What's your two cents on Jaden McDaniels these last four or five games, putting up some double-digit box score points? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for Jaden is like, you know, Chris Finch has talked about in the past that like how well Jaden is scoring is, is kind of a canary in the coal mine of, of how well the offense is kind of operating. Um and and I think that's like, given what we had seen from Jaden up until this, you know, 
the down the stretch really of last season. I thought that that was a, a fine response, but like they've got to start weaponizing Jim McDaniel's offense more. Like what he's able to do uh, off the dribble uh, it, it is pretty impressive. And mm-hmm. I think the more that they can get him, um, you know, attacking downhill, uh, you know, kind of in repetition, like live game reps so that they have that, you know, that they can go to it in the playoffs. I think the better off they're going to be, I think, you know, especially as they play some more just like terrible teams, you know, over the course of the next six to eight weeks, um, trying to do that would be really important. Like you, you, when you look at Jade McDaniels, like most of his minutes come with the starting lineup um, or with, you know, mostly starter lineups. Uh, I would like to like, obviously you don't want to disrupt the flow of the rotation, but you know, I would really like to see more of Jaden with the bench guys and more with like Jordan McLaughlin specifically um, as a way to be able to, you know, kind of empower him as a more, more of a lead dog scorer, um, you know, alongside Nas Reed uh, in, in those mostly bench lineups, because I do think that there is more scoring that they can get out of him. Um, it, it's just that, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, Jaden scoring at times when he shoots, he feels like, oh, well, I'm taking shots away from Ant or Cat, and that's a bad thing. When in reality, like, I think it's a good thing that, you know, the Timberwolves are, are kind of diversifying where their shots are coming from a little bit. And the good thing about Jaden is like more often than not, he does take good shots. You know, he's sometimes he kind of gets caught in the lane and has to throw up, you know, tough shots. But again, like a, a missed shot in the paint and, you know, in the, a mid-range shot is is so much better than a live ball turnover. And, and that's mm-hmm. something, too, that I think that the coaching staff is is probably going to start preaching to these guys, especially around driving the gaps. But but with Jaden specifically, like if they could set a pin down screen for him in, in the corner and have him kind of run out of the corner and curl off of it and catch the ball, um, you know, kind of at the free throw line extended and then just kind of catch it in rhythm and put it on the deck and get to the rim. Like that's a pretty simple play that I think would really benefit Jaden. Um, you know, and it's not like it's and the other thing, too, is Jaden's a coordinated enough guy where if he gets into the middle of the paint and the defense collapses on him you know, for the most part, he's going to be able to jump and make that pass. And, and I think that that's a little different than driving, you know, into the gaps where the defense is, because, you know, you kind of already have that head of steam. And when you catch the ball, you can already kind of see, um, you, know, you can already kind of see where the defense is. Um, and, and so the more that they can get Jaden going downhill, I, I think the better it is, because I think when the more that you ask Jaden to spot up as a jump shooter, and not do a whole lot else. I think that that's when, you know, his confidence can kind of start to waver a little bit. Um, but I have really noticed that, um, that whether it be the extra pass or, or guys on the drive, uh, Ant and Mike Conley specifically have done a lot more, you know, driving to a spot with the intention of kicking the ball to the opposite corner to get Jane McDaniels a touch, um, which is great. Um, and if you look at, uh, you know, NBA.com has a passes received, um, and passes made uh, stat that I, I would be, you know, interested to go look at that when I'm done here and and see if that's ticked up over the course of the last month because it certainly feels like he's touching the ball and, and you know catching more passes more uh, more often than he has been uh, in previous months and so I think the more um, you know they can kind of help him find a rhythm earlier on in the game um, so that he can sustain that for the entire game. Um, it is going to be better, but of course, like he's got to stay on the floor as well. Right. With, uh, with the fouls and, and granted, you know, you don't have to tell me that, that some of the foul calls he had today called on him were utterly ridiculous, but, um, but the, you know, that's just the way it is, uh, some nights with, um, with Jaden McDaniels. But again, I mean, 
He had six field goals. Three of them came right at the rim and three of them came in the left corner. Um, those are kind of where he's been uh, driving most of his offense. So I think the more they can um, help him get shots in those, those areas, the better they'll be. And, you know, it's the, the fourth game in a row now that Jaden is uh, better in double digits. And that's uh, that ties his longest uh, streak of the season. So the Timberwolves really need to, to keep that going, especially, um, you know, on nights like tonight, if Mike Con, you know, there aren't going to be many nights where, where mm-hmm. Mike Conley isn't, isn't right. knocking down shots, right. but, um, but, but they become even more important um, on, on nights like tonight. Uh, we always spend a quick 60 seconds or so on the opposing team every night. And tonight, I think it's well warranted. If you were to tell people on January 20th, the top two teams in the West would be these two teams. A lot of people probably would have said you're nuts. I mean, this is the, the third matchup this year. We got another one versus OKC in what, nine days, I think. So uh, I guess finally got a decent sample size to go off of, right? Tell me how you feel about this matchup, bigger picture, potential playoff matchup, um, and where you think maybe the Thunder ceiling is, I guess, in the West right now, because clearly they ain't going anywhere. They'll probably be a, a I mean, Tell me if I'm wrong. Top four seed at worst, pending everyone staying healthy when it's all said and done. I know last time we talked OKC, you mentioned you like Rudy matched up on some smaller, lighter centers like maybe a Chet Holmgren. But tell us more what you think about the Thunder, the Wolves, and just you know what you think about the West and how it's shaping up right now at the the midway point. 60 seconds. You're on the clock. Yeah, I think with the Thunder, the the biggest thing for them is like they got to find more scoring off the bench, and they've got to find a, a a true backup five behind Chet Holmgren because if he gets in foul trouble, um, like they're cooked. They they just don't really have any options behind him. You know, Jalen Williams is okay today, but um, so I think their ceiling is is winning a first round playoff series, but nothing more than that. Um, just because I don't know that Shea Gilgis Alexander is is totally capable of um you know expending as much energy as he does every single night in the playoffs against teams that are going to be you know better defenses loading up on him doubling him uh getting physical with him all this stuff um you know and and he's gonna have to rely a lot on free throws and and you know guys that rely a lot on free throws tend not to do as well in the playoffs as they do in the regular season so um yeah unless they can address some of those problems um that that i just mentioned i think it's going to be tough for him to get out of the first round of the playoffs but um, yeah, I mean, you know, credits to them, Mark Dagnall for, for getting the guys ready to go and they're second in the West. Uh, I don't, I don't think they'll stay there, but, um, I, I think they're, you know, the top four seeds in the West, I think are pretty locked in, um, mm-hmm. you know, feels like Wolves, it. kind of a tier right there, right? Wolves, yeah. OKC, Denver, and, and the Clippers in whatever order they end up being. But, um, yeah, it'll be fun to see, you know, what kind of takes shape behind them. I think the playing tournament this year is going to be awesome. Are really competitive and, and really some some high level players that'll that'll be in that. So you know whoever comes out of that play play in tournament, um, you know whoever ends up being those top two seeds are, are going to have to be ready to go. All right, quick look at the schedule and what's on deck moving forward. It's all coming up next. Quick reminder: tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting 150 dollars in bonus bets when you place any five dollar wager. 150 dollars in bonus bets when you throw down just five dollars on any bet, and you don't even have to win. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over-unders, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. 
Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, schedule coming up the next few games now. Hornets, Wizards, Nets, Spurs, all on the road, but all four teams. If the season were to end today, none of those teams would make the playoffs. So you're hoping for some, what, tune-up games here before you meet OKC again Monday, January 29th. What's your thoughts when you hear that stretch, though? What, what's got to happen? What do you want to see the most from this team? Yeah, I, I think what I want to see the most from this team is is for them to find offensive rhythm. You know, I think coming into tonight, the Timberwolves were like the seventh ranked offense over the last two weeks. And I know that they haven't played the best defenses, but um, still proving to themselves that they can do that, even against teams that aren't great defensively, I think are going to be really important. Um, and I, I think what's interesting about some of the teams that they're going to play is that they do have good? So there are some talented offenses uh, in in this group that they're going to play, and, and if their defense slips too, or, or they turn the ball over a ton, and um, you know allow these teams to score off turnovers, um, you know it's it's just going to be uh, you know a stretch of games that are going to be a lot closer than they probably should be, um, and, and so. Uh, anything the Wolves can do to try to help cut down on some of their turnovers and, and try to find some more lineup combinations offensively that click a little bit, that get the ball moving, uh, that can get guys shots at the rim uh, or create more open three-pointers because that's been a, a point of, uh, you know, improvement, I think, that the Wolves need to focus on for the rest of the season. You know, they're they're like fourth in three-point percentage, but I want to say they're they're in the bottom 10 in total in terms of total three point attempts. And so obviously like if you're hitting them at that clip, you want to be able to take more of them. So you can, uh, you know, so you can have a night like tonight where, you know, the three pointers really kept them in the game. I, I think it was, what was it tonight? It was 14 to eight in terms of three pointers like that 18 point swing is like pretty big. And so the more that they can, I think kind of lean on that, I, I think the the better off they're going to be. So it's, it's really just about offense for me. Um, you know, I, the defense, I think we all know is pretty legit. Um, especially considering their personnel. So um, just keep keep drilling away at the offense and, and hope you can can kind of find a few things and, you know, at worst have a night like you did against Memphis where you don't play very well for three quarters, but, you know, you're at least able to band together and kind of wear down the team and, and ultimately come out with a win. Uh, well done tonight, as always. Tough one, obviously, to watch. Uh, glad we're able to come on here, though, and vent with everyone like this on a game-to-game -game basis. Wolves dropped to 29-12 and 12 on the year, and all of a sudden, they watched that lead shrink to just one game in the West. Back on the road for four straight now, starting with the Hornets. That's Monday night, tip-off, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And again, another matchup with this OKC team just nine days away as well. As always, Huge shout out to everyone that joined us in the postcast. Always love everyone's feedback and comments and notes every night. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game. Same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Got to go check out all Jack's work on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And make sure you check out Jack on the Minnesota Basketball Party with the full crew. Sam Ekstrom, Gophers legend Ron Johnson, Carol Evans, Reggie Wilson. That's each and every Wednesday afternoon. And on top of that, if you haven't already, Ben Beacon spitting some hot fire over the Lockdown Wolves podcast each and every day as well. That'll do it for us tonight. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing up.